Welcome to Pods and Pies. Our pretend fake sponsor is the Pie Pizzeria. The pie. <laughs> are you? I love it. Are you a vegetarian? Uh, uh, yeah, I am. Okay. I just had to make. You said no meat. I just didn't know if it was like, well, hey, I'm, I'm not. Actually, I'm mostly whole foods, plant based. So <clears> I, I don't, I don't know. But I, I do this once a week. I have pizza with the kids, so I don't get, I don't get too caught up. So. So is this so going yeah, to take, take away from oh, that's so nice. pizza with your kids yeah. this week? <laughs> no, are you hey, kidding? Double pizza. I mean, I'll double down this week. This double okay. down. Yeah. This margarita, I want half tomato. I wasn't sure. No, it's great. Okay. It's amazing. Awesome. Dig in. Really? Grab yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. So the tough thing, too, we, is, you know, it's just you talk, you talk a lot. You know, you, the guests most talk, the time, talk most of the time. And we sit there and eat a lot of the pizza because we ask questions and we hear you. We want to listen so to you. We I want to know eat, about you. Do I eat, eat as slow? much oh, yeah. as you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you just take a bite. Just yeah. dive Raise in. that up just a little bit just to make sure we can. I want to hear you chew. Really? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, this looks good, man. Mm, mm-hmm. This just got. So not. So not, what, what's half of this is what? Well, it's all the. It's all a margarita, but I just added some tomatoes on. Right, on I'm going to take one of those tomato ones too, man. So not a, not vegan. Whole foods plant based is Whole vegan. It, it's vegan without processed foods. Okay. So it's that's it's, even it's, a it's little. The, yeah, that's about as healthy as. And I'm telling you, dude, so I was keto for two years. Yeah. That is a big. That's a turnaround right there. It's the exact opposite. Yeah. But I'll tell you what. So the keto, it got me thin, but my cholesterol and it just it was not good for the body. Yeah. Whole Foods plant-based, my cholesterol is great, I, I don't have any medication, and I feel great. Do so. you follow, because the store Whole Foods, right, has a book, Whole Foods plant-based diet. Do you follow that? I just, if, it, if it's one ingredient, I eat it. You, you got it, okay. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I've eaten more salads in the last seven months that I've, I've really been mm. living that way than I have my entire life combined. And now I find myself going, oh my gosh, I love these salads. And so a lot of chickpeas, a lot of beans, yeah. uh, no oils. So like I said, other coconut? than pizza and I, I do, if, if it's raw coconut. So the, yeah. whole, the whole idea behind Whole Foods plant-based is you're just, you're eating, you're eating vegan, but without any of the processed foods, <clears throat> processed oils. So I'm getting all my fat from avocados, nuts, but not olive oil, which is a, you know, a lot of vegans will do olive oil. Um, but the whole idea is just, you know, to be as natural as possible. Right. That's awesome. I'm going to move that just a little bit. Yeah, Sorry. right there. Um, well, we got to introduce our guest. Oh, yeah. James Hadlock. Sorry. Right on. That's right on, Thanks man. for being here. I just assume, like, everybody knows who it is. Uh-huh. Everybody knows who's he. <laughs> Freaking James Hadlock is in the building, man. <laughs> Everybody knows. They're going to take one look at him and like, yeah, I know this guy. So <clears throat> what enticed you? What moved you to do? Was it just the cholesterol? Just health in general. I mean, I'm 51. I've got nine kids. I've got three grandkids and another one on the way. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my next 50 years. I really am. I mean, I'm thinking about how am I how am I going to maintain, you know, so we I always joke and I use the word vitality a lot at home. I'm like, vitality. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it, it was it was about just kind of 
just taking better care of myself. Keto was totally a reaction of going, man, I'm out of shape. I don't feel good. I feel sluggish. It was totally a reaction to that. It wasn't really a, it, it, it didn't come from a place of proactive. It came from a place of reactive where this came from a place of what kind of, what is going to give me the best chance to, for my body to, to, to do, you know, be at its optimum. And, and it, it, so far, I mean, it's, Total game changer for you. Totally a game changer. So it, it's not a moral thing, mm -hmm. even though I can see that. But I'll, I'll tell you, I, I watched a, have you heard of Great Game Changer on Netflix? Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. So if, if you haven't seen that yet on living a whole foods plant-based, it's compelling. I mean, it, it really got my wheels turning. And I watched that about a year ago. And, uh, and that was um, the... Uh, the, the maker that was a uh, was at the MMA fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Former MMA fighter. He, I think he was a part of it, right? And yes. and it goes through an. And he was game from Australia. Like, yeah, I think, I think so. so. Okay. Anyway, I did, yeah. I remember and that. and it, so it really showcases athletes that are all whole foods, plant based, or vegan. And I mean, it was showing. You know, I think it was the Tennessee Titans. They show a bunch of the players, and they're just showing. There's this huge myth that you have to get your protein because yeah. I grew up in the gym too. I mean, I was yeah. a, I was a junkie. You know, I was in the gym all the time, and I was it was all protein. And yeah. I did, and when on keto, just throw me another steak, please. Yeah, give me some steak, some cheese, some butter. Right, steaks, cheese, and butter, and, and I did that, and I loved it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best, and I got results. And then I didn't. And and then after about a year and a half, it I it, it actually it, it started to work against me. Yeah. I think I did some harm and you know, just body wise. Cause it's just, that's not the way our bodies are built to, to function. Yeah, I thought you've seen that Danny. It was a, there was, it was a game changer. One? Yeah. You saw that, right? I don't know if I've seen uh, that. It was like you say, it was Netflix. And then actually what, what, what Maybe grabbed my attention was that Joe Rogan actually had on an individual that was trying to debunk a lot of that on the Joe Rogan podcast. What was interesting, it was super compelling. Some of this, some of the stuff that, you know, and this was, a, this was actually a scientist that talked, I mean, he was very pro, like vegan diets and healthy diets and whole food diets, but he kind of debunked it. But then he brought on the guy that made the show, and then it actually he the guy that made the show disproved all of this critics, mm. uh, um, yeah, information and, and what he was trying to do to debunk it. Anyway, it was actually kind of a big deal. I don't know. At least I remember, kind of in, it, not like headline news, but it was a great movie though. Great show. Well put together. Yeah. It's not in your face. It's very, it, it just, it brings a lot of science behind it, but also a lot of experiential from, yeah. you know, firsthand knowledge from people. So, but it, here's the thing too, is I've been kind of that, I've been black and white most of my life. So even when I was on keto, it was like, I'm doing this, I'm not deviating. Yeah. And when I started this, I'm like, you know what? It's fun. It's a social thing when, when we, we, so we have a pizza night once a week with the kiddos and I wasn't going to miss out on that. And I'm like, come on, you know, I'm not going to be so black and white the way I used to be. And it, it just, it works for me. You That's know, awesome. does this mess you up at all? Like, no, totally no, not. Uh -uh. Do you do any meat? Like zero, zero meat. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause I've seen a lot of people do like the whole food plant-based but they'll have you know five ten calories maybe from yeah for percent I, of their calories in a meat so there was a piece of pepperoni 
on my pizza a couple of weeks ago, and it tasted foul and rotten and oh, disgusting really? to me. <laughs> Which I think just, you know, because I think we acquire, yeah, yeah. you know, like with anything. Yeah, I think once, yeah, you start doing it, you start craving it more, and it just becomes your, that lifestyle, right? Right. Yeah. Awesome. Tough to find things in restaurants. I mean, is it just kind of like you go in a restaurant and you're like, oh, there's so many things on the menu that I used to eat, I love. And it's yeah. like, oh my gosh. You know, or with, like, but I'm limited to like three things. But with COVID, I haven't gone out. And, and, and so this okay. has only been really since, yeah. the, it's only just been this year. Yeah. So it'll be interesting when we get As back As you get in the, back into going out more and, okay, yeah. Interesting. So who knows, maybe, yes. maybe I'll lean more towards vegetarian. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Insta- but, but it is, I mean, whole foods, plant-based, I love it. I mean, I, I, I'll go down and make a huge salad. So I didn't eat anything today. This is my first meal of the day too. So, um, but I, here's where I also notice it is the inflammation. Yeah. So, and, and the, you know, with keto, they said, well, it's because of all the carbs. That's not true. Because I don't have the inflammation, and I eat tons of beans and potatoes, and it's processed foods. It's pro- processed it's foods cr- yeah. is it, which is why I said, hey, let's try. You know, look for a clean pizza if you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of, right? You picked up on that. So do you do you track what you eat? You're not counting any. Nothing. I don't track a thing. It, it's you just I if, mean, if, if it's a whole and, food, I'm eating it. And when I make a salad, it's massive. Heapy. I mean, it's. Yeah. You know, it's spring greens and or the half and half, you know, so the baby kale, baby spinach with the spring mix. And then and then I'll, I'll just whatever I'm in the mood for today. So beets and um, maybe some brown rice I'll throw on there, chickpeas, and then I'll make a dressing with. I mean, my go-to dressing is tahini, which is just sesame seeds. You know, it's sesame seed butter, basically with uh, Dijon mustard, a little maple syrup, and, and a little salt, and a little uh, apple cider vinegar. And I'm telling you what, that is like dressing Is that, a, is the that amazing? Oh. It's your jam. See, <laughs> so it is so, it, it just, it, 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 so my wife hates it. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it sings to my soul. That's, that's yeah. great though. Does she do this with you? Uh, pretty much. I mean, yeah. she's, 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 and what's interesting is she's the one who really kind of nudged it along. Um, she's close to the, so she's she's totally vegetarian. She's been vegetarian most of her life. But vegan, whole foods, plant based is you know that's a that's that's because she's stuff. also she's mostly the one almost always making for the kids and and yeah. those type of things. I mean, I, I I essentially make my own meals now. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to. I mean, yeah. just. But, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's pretty easy when you just, you've got all the raw materials. You just go and pull them all and you just throw them, on a, yeah. throw them in a bowl. Did you go to the doctor or anything before you started this? Mm-hmm. To say, hey, I want, I want tests. I want my numbers. Mm-hmm. And then have you been back since to see? Mm-hmm. So I was high in my cholesterols, um, all of them. And to the point where, you know, I was going to probably need medication. Totally fine after four months. Don't need any meds. Yeah. Okay. 
which is interesting. Oh, which wow. Is interesting how non-processed diet and eating the right foods, healthy foods, changes your body. Right? It, it's, just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's just, it's so funny how, I don't know, like, they're just, people are so unhealthy and, yeah. And, and it, it, <laughs> they're always trying to find, like, excuses or reasons why they're feeling, but it's like, dude, stop eating like shit. And trust me, you will feel yeah. 10 times better. Cholesterol will go down, all these things go down, but it's just, you can't stay away from processed foods and just, just crap. Food. And what I think is, I started to let, so when keto was really kind of taking hold, which was a couple of years ago, and you know, we, 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 were, we were big into it. And then all of a sudden I saw these, and by the way, we, we never did any of the powders or anything that were keto. We, yeah. just, we just ate whole foods, yeah. but keto style. So a lot of animal protein, frankly. And I just laughed, you know, it just seems like with almost everything, you know, every fad that comes out there, then all of a sudden the Atkins diet or keto, like everything is, and if you think about it, it's all processed. So even with keto or anything else, it's all just processed junk. And it's one of the things that I look at, because I know we're going to get into it today around mental health and emotional well-being. You know, we 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 want a quick fix. We want to, you know, we think we can manufacture everything. And when you really break it yeah. down, your emotional well-being, your mental health is a lot simpler than we make it. And yet, there's this huge crisis. Yeah. Right? There's this huge crisis around it, and 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 I think it's all connected too. I think the way we eat. I think the way we show up. I think the way we allow ourselves to be in the moment and be present, it all impacts how we experience life. Well, let's get into it, man. I was curious. So what's a great transition. You, where are you from? Let's maybe we'll quickly do a little history there and we don't have to dwell too much on like childhood and whatever, but I just am oh, curious. You don't want to you know, hear about all that? Yeah, I would love to. I don't think we wouldn't have enough time. We'd have to, I mean, I, we got three, we could do this for hours, but right. So where, where are you from originally, and then just how did you get really I'm, to Utah? Yeah, I'm a Southeast Idaho boy, so I, I grew no. up. I, yeah. Where from? So I was born in. I was actually born in the Magic Valley. If you've ever heard of Jerome, which is right outside of Twin Falls, okay. but I Jer- was with a J. Jerome. Jerome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> little 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 farm community, really. But I I I was in Pocatello when I was till I was six or seven. But I was raised in Rexburg, Idaho, of all places. So yes. where, where BYU-Idaho is now. Yeah. It used to be yeah. called Ricks. Yep. Cold? Like, so you talk to anybody, and they'll, the so first cold. thing they'll tell you is, it's so cold Dude, there. It's so cold. It's like, it's like Canada weather. You know, the, the yeah. wind is, is brutal. So small town. And, you know, I, I grew up essentially like most people in, in Idaho and Utah, how you would think they grew up, you know. Grew up in religion. Grew up... You know, yeah. kind of the all-American kid, played sports. And you're 51 now. I'm 51 now, so I graduated so I'm in trying 87. To place 87. Okay, I was mm-hmm. trying to place kind of the time frame. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, one of my best friends um, is from Rexburg. He lives there. He grew up there, moved here, and now he's back. But How old is he? You know what? I think he's... Chubbs? Yeah, 47. Oh, Aaron Peterson? Yeah, okay, yeah, Aaron Peterson, yeah. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> So what about the Humphreys? Shout, you know the shout, Humphreys? Shout out to Aaron. Yeah. 
Do you know the Humphreys from Idaho? I don't know the Humphreys, okay. but but Aaron and my my younger brother were very close friends. Randy Garn, I know Randy yeah, yeah, really well. I know all those guys. All those, all those. They were dudes, all a bunch all of punk little sugar. kids. Yeah, oh for sure. Oh, I could only imagine how how big as pieces I of totally, shit those dudes, those dudes I were. I totally have up. stories about those guys. <laughs> so I owned a little arcade. Yeah. And they would, and unbeknownst to me, you know, I'm I'm the responsible 22 year old at the time. <laughs> yeah. 22, 23, and my brother and, and Aaron, so Chubbs and Randy Garn and all those guys, they stole my keys to the arcade and they go play they go play an NBA jam all night. Yeah, dude. That wasn't the only <laughs> thing good. they were doing, but that was that was definitely one of the things they <laughs> That's were doing. Good. We'll just leave we'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I was just thinking anyway, I, Aaron and I different story, different uh, time, but yeah, a good longtime friend of mine, but I just was thinking. And you fly fish with him, I'll bet. Yes, that's where that's where the fly. That's where a lot is. of fly fishing has come from from that relationship. I grew up doing that, but one day on a Sunday, we were at church. I didn't even know who he was. I, I, I hear him mention fly fishing as he kind of walks past me, and you know, of course, I just turn around and like, hold on, who are you? You know, because that's just that's just part of part of who I am. Ever since then, we've been best buds and been on fishing trips for 20 years now and but I did a recruiting trip for to go to Rick's to play basketball and I went up there with a couple of my buddies do we drove my like parents van we got caught in a freaking snowstorm and I'm like there's no way in hell I'm going to Rick's <laughs> I don't even know there was like maybe like three restaurants and this is like 94 no 95 was Gardner still the coach uh he might have been yeah yeah I... but, you know they used to play in that little that oh yeah uh, I mean maybe that arena's still around but the seats were the seats were down below the yeah. floor level. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Did you ever play there? I never played at Rick's. Oh my gosh, it was just one. Of the, it was a cool place to play, but dude, you just you'd get you'd get creamed by the the, the students. It was just it was so intense. It was good. They had good teams back in the day. But anyway, I just remember that was the snowstorm got caught in recruiting. Yeah, trip. It, it was a and cold that, place. That's what I remember. Just cold. And and, and I, I remember two things that I swore I would never live in a small town. <laughs> And I was the oldest of seven kids. I would never have a big family. So <laughs> I was the oldest of seven, lived in Rexburg. I live in a smaller town in Midway. Yeah. With more kids. With more kids. I've got nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how so so be careful, kids, what you what you yeah. ask for, right? Yeah. How old's your oldest and youngest? Twenty almost twenty-eight, and my youngest is six. Okay. So so I had four I had four kids when I met Alicia, my wife now, that okay. we've been together now for almost thirteen years. We had four together, like, and I'm talking back to back to back, all single bursts, but back to back to back to back. They're ages six to 11. How was that? What were we thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you did it right, where it was just like back to back to back to back. Yeah, Instead of uh, a couple years in between, a few years in between, that's the worst. We we couldn't have done that, though, just because of age. I mean, even with our last one, there were complications, and it was a tough pregnancy, and... And, uh, but yeah, I, I would just, I, th- there'd be a twinkle in my eye and, hey, honey, we're pregnant. <laughs> I mean, it was the perfect storm for us. But uh, mm. yeah, so, so it was Rexburg. I mean, and I mean, I didn't, I didn't do any traveling. I was pretty sheltered growing up in Rexburg, as you can imagine. Yeah. I mean, this very small Mormon town, right? Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and, but I was an I had the entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, I wanted to own businesses when I was younger, and and um, 
had a bunch of carpet cleaning companies. So I'm going to college at Rick's. It was yeah. still called Rick's. And I, I was working for a carpet cleaning company because he could schedule, you know, my appointments around my, around my, my, uh, my college uh, classes. And then he comes to me one day and he's like, hey, I'm getting ready. I'm going to start franchising. Do you want to buy the original, the, the original one? And I'm like, I know how much money this guy's making. I know how much I'm making. That makes a lot of sense. So I was able to get a loan. Um, with my wife at the time, her dad was the co-signer, can't believe he did it, bought the business, and you know, I'm 22, 23 years old, and I'm making 80 grand. I'm making more than my college professors, because this was in the early 90s. Yeah. yeah. So I had the, you know, I, I, I caught the bug, and, I, and, and when I bought it, it was doing about 40 grand. We were doing about 80 grand you know, within a year, because I had just had a marketing knack, but then I had a nervous breakdown. Like seriously, I felt like I'm 25 and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die in this small town and I will never have made anything of myself. And you know, it was kind of one of those moments. And so I was looking for opportunities, wanted to move to the big city, got my chance. I met, I met a group down here what, in Utah. What big city? Salt Lake. Okay. The big, I mean, okay. we're talking hey, huge city, oh, right? Yeah. I don't know if you want to go to like Boise or, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Boy, are you right? <laughs> So, uh, you know, I'm, I think I'm 26, 25, 26. I end up investing some money in this, in this group down here that, that had a bunch of startups. But I really wanted, I, I invested it because I wanted to come down and work for this guy and be down here and, you know, kind of develop myself a little bit. And, and I got the chance. So I came down here to Salt Lake, moved here to Draper, and... Um, wouldn't you know it, I had a knack. I, you know, I, I just, I knew how to market things. I knew how to create a lot of buzz around, uh, around certain products and, and business ideas and, and uh, had some successes. We ended up doing a reverse merger. Do you know what that is with a company? Oh. Hmm. It's where you take a shell public company and you, you, you take a company that's not public and you essentially take that public status it's kind of dicey, honestly, but it, it happens a lot here in Utah. It does. Yeah. Does it also that happen in China? You. <laughs> Maybe I don't know, but it, it's it's just it's a way to to issue shares and, and to take a company public and then, anyways. Yes, yes, the long okay. and short of it was I made a ton of money before I was thirty, and uh, on paper I was a millionaire, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I'm gonna just I'm gonna keep doing this kind of stuff, but it was about that same time when I was starting to notice I was struggling with my own mental health. And, I, and to say that now, I really didn't understand it that way. I'm just like, why do I always feel out of sorts? Yeah, something, something's off. Something's off, something's not right. So at that time, it wasn't like I, I'm dealing with mental health. It was just, yeah, I, you, I you've feel been in Utah, what? Like, I mean, you've been in Utah for years at this point. At this point, I'd been in you know four or five years. I'd made some money. Um, I was I was making really good money for you know mid you know 26 27 year old <coughs> and you know it was it was interesting because we, we, we certainly didn't talk about mental health like we do today oh I can only imagine and there's stigma today so you can imagine back then it was like no you just gotta oh, you just, know you just, just gotta just be strong up, right just, just like, buck up right just right say your prayers 
<laughs> oh boy, we can open that one. No, I'm just, I'm just. Well, no, I'm just we, being, we can I'm open being, that because it, I'm it, just saying, like, I can understand. I would have a complete. I mean, I'm just thinking through at that age. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like even nowadays you still have this problem, but it's just it's like, oh no, just pray more, and uh, you know, you'll be fine. Or, or like, you have no idea what's going on, but you have pressures from business, you have pressures from family, you got pressures from whatever church you're at, you know. But especially here. Like yeah. you you are gonna feel guilty in other things, be, you know, just based off of the culture, the Mormon culture, and different things. But you know, anyway, no, I just that, I say that as a joke, but I know that is a hundred percent like, oh, just say your prayers, you'll be fine. Yeah, well, so I actually had a business partner come to me and tell me, and I had just gotten out of the psych ward, which we'll get to, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But and he's like, dude, you just need to say your prayers more, and and I'm That's like, hilarious. yeah, yeah. But that's a real thing. I mean, sure. The, the, and, you know, that, that would be like someone that, that breaks their arm and it's like, you don't need to go to the doctor. Just get on your knees and say your prayers. Yeah. Here's the challenge that we have and what I had back then and what we have today is you can't see it, right? It's something that's going on inside of us. Not tangible. It's not tangible. And, and what I found is as I was starting, so I was struggling. I had stomach problems insomnia that started before I got to Utah, but it was yeah. really kind of emerging even more. And it seemed like the more successful I got, just manifest different it was, ways it, it was coming, coming up yeah, even yeah. more. I mean, and, and I've got a theory about that. I, I think the more that I accomplished the things that I thought were going to make me happy, I was all of a sudden having this crisis going, Oh, you mean the money and the, you know, and the, and the acknowledgement and the notoriety of being this whiz kid that could do these things. If that's not making me happy, uh, now what? And, and that's when I started to self-medicate. So it started very innocently. In fact, I was going to the gym a lot and I was introduced to GHB. If you remember that back in the late nineties, early two thousands, it was called the date rape drug back then. It was really GHB GHB. So so, so it's, yeah, so it was, I mean, it made its rounds. It's still around, but it was, it was liquid ecstasy is another way that they used to describe it. So I bought it at GNC because they said, oh, this will help you with your sleep and it'll, it'll it was sold at GHC. It was sold. GHB was sold Sold at at GNC. GNC. Is that a wrap? I don't know. Maybe it could be. (laughs) And so I took this and I, I mean, it was the promised land. I'm like, it actually, it made me super high, but I'd go to sleep and I'm like, oh my gosh, I found, I found the this solution yeah, to yeah. my, to my insomnia. And I had zero awareness around mental health or what was going on with me. And so I was just trying to fix my feelings like anybody would. Right. And, and if you don't have any idea of really what's going on and because I was, a whiz kid and I was, you know, smart and I, I'd been able to kind of overcome all this other stuff. Well, gosh, this was nothing. And man, when I started to get my hands on more prescription medications and I started to get my hands on alcohol, which I had, I played around with a little bit in high school for about a year, but now it, it was different. It wasn't a social thing. It was a self-medicating fix fix yeah, my is, feeling, yeah. fix my it. anxiety, fix my, fix my, you know, my insecurities about myself and all of that. And, 
And anyone who tells you that, you know, drugs are a problem, I would, I would have you look at it differently. It's, it's actually a solution. It's not a very sustainable solution, but it's not a problem. When you, and when you start to think of it that way, that it's, oh, it's no different than somebody going into the gym, right, and, and, and becoming and, and using that as, or, or using work. It is a solution to the problems you have at the time. Right. Right. Which That's, is... If you're saying, look at it that way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's well, that think of anxiety. I mean, somebody can, I mean, here in Utah, we, we I think we still lead the nation in, in medications for depression anxiety opioid use is opioid <clears throat> use we're in we're in the top 20 um it's all about we just need to fix our feelings and and i think the biggest issue that we have here in utah but but really in the world is i think most of us suffer from what i like to call i'm finitis no yeah, i'm just d- I'm describe fine. that yeah describe i'm fine i'm fine, I'm fine. hey so, man it seems like you're you're down no no i'm fine i'm good Man, that's, that's mine. I'm good. Yeah, right. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, mine. Mine was the I'm finitis, it, it, I'm and, <laughs> and and you know now that I look back, I look at it and go, man, I had such a chameleon complex. Like, I, I would just I would show up in the in the moment from a business meeting to whoever the crowd was that I was around, and I would just I would just kind of blend into whatever I needed to be for the moment to be accepted, to be liked. And what I didn't realize is in that process, I was losing myself. I mean, I, I, I would always tell people I was fine. Don't, don't bother me, I'm, I'm good. And all of a sudden I'm finding myself separating from, from reality of what was really going on within me. And, and that's where that self-medication started to come in. And then as you've, we've all heard these stories it, it started to get out of control. Yeah. So I ended up lo- leaving my, I, I ended up leaving my wife and my, and my two little girls that I had at the time. They eventually moved back to Idaho because I, I essentially shut them out because of the, the shame, the guilt, the overwhelm. I, I didn't want them. I really didn't want them to know what I was up to mostly because I was so embarrassed and, and I couldn't get a handle of it. But at the same time, I'm having some of the biggest financial success. In fact, to this day, the biggest financial success I've ever had. I, I took a bankrupt company with a team. It wasn't just me, but within 18 months, we were we went from two million to 20 million in sales in 18 months. What what company was that? It was called Minds Eye Group. Minds Eye Group. Yeah. So we did we did uh, trade show booths. We did um, kiosks for malls. T-Mobile was our largest client. Yeah. Um, Weeder Nutritionals was another big client. So if you've ever gone, so that's why I was so fascinated when you were showing me all the pods here was, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I, I love design and, and ingenuity and things like that. And, and so here I am completely falling apart. And by this time I've got a $10,000 a month Oxycontin habit and cocaine habit. And I mean, I'm 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 on the phone with T-Mobile doing these mega multi-million dollar deals, and I'm so high I don't even I don't even remember the conversations. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So go back to like whatever point in time before your wife moved back, whatever. It, did you ever actually confide in somebody, like a best friend, or because the the thing is like people look at you and they're like, okay, dude, there's no way this guy's right. 
Like we know, we know he's off, like 100%, like, or they see you do something. How are you doing? I'm fine, right? That's what you say. But don't you feel like the problem is, like I have four kids, and even kids with their parents. I mean, you know they're off, but if you go and ask them, what, hey, what's going on? It is, it's almost impossible that they actually share what is going on. They don't, either they don't, they're embarrassed or they don't want to tell you, but it seems like the issue is there, you just don't ever find the person in your life that you can actually tell what is really going on. And then people that just kind of know you or that pass by your neighbors, if they're like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Obviously, you're never going to tell them what's going on because you don't even care about them. They're just, but I don't know. I, I, I've had this thought for years. It's like, if, if my kids weren't telling me, hopefully they're telling their best friends. There's got to be somebody that you would tell what the hell is going on. If you're dealing with it, I, I don't know. I'm just curious in your experience. If, if you ever had that, who, who, is ever, who are you ever going to tell? What's really going on? Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because there was. Yeah. So my uncle, who was my dad's youngest brother, was only five years older than me. So he was closer to my age than he was my dad. So he felt more like an older brother, but he was, he was the reason I moved to Utah in the first place. He was like my mentor, my best friend. I looked up to him. So when I was 29, he died in a horrific Ferrari accident. So he was an exotic car guy. He would find exotic cars for all the new skin executives. And Donnie Osmond was a good friend of his. And so he he was kind of, he was the guy that would find all these cars. He ended up getting in this horrific car accident right here in Draper. And um, I was called that night. I remember it was, there, uh, there was an Oscar de la Hoya fight that night. And all of a sudden I get a call from my dad and he's like, hey, Chris has been in an accident. You need to go down to the hospital. I thought it was, you know, he got banged Broke up. Broke his leg or, yeah, or something. Yeah. And when I walk in there and he was already gone and it was not, it was not a pretty thing. And I went into total shock and that was, that was the shift. That was the dramatic shift. So it went from a little bit of self-medicating to full on, what can I do to get out of the reality that I'm experiencing right now, which is where you know, I started trying anything and everything. I mean, and, and so I, I never really tiptoed from that point on. And within six months, I mean, I was full-blown overdosing on all kinds of stuff from, from when he died. I mean, it was, it was a rough time. So I lost that confidant and that mentor and that, that one person one that person I felt that like could I could. Maybe, that, yeah. Well, I, that I, I did. I, I mean, he was the one guy I could go to and just say, man, you know, I could just be myself. Everyone else, I felt like I had to, you know, I had to show up as, you know, the, the perfect kid next door because everybody was counting on me. My company was counting on me. The reason my company never really, you know, did a whole lot is because, remember, we, we had gone from $2 million to $20 million from ba- bankruptcy to being the 26th fastest growing company in the state of Utah. And, and who was the front guy? So... Yeah. literally they were crisis management when it got really bad they were they were crisis management and then and then once a deal got done then they all came and we had the intervention and finally I'm like okay enough pressure I better go to rehab so I did what were those back up for a second what were those conversations like with your uncle like were you 100% real with him like hey I'm I'm doing this, you know, taking X and Y to help we, me feel better. Yeah, we, was we, he real with you, or was it just like, yeah, you yeah, can get better? Yeah, we actually. So, so we both talked a lot about it because he felt those same things, and 
I mean, it was the realest that I would ever get with anyone. I mean, I, I couldn't say, I, honestly, I, I couldn't ever bear the thought of going to my wife at the time and sharing with her anything. I didn't want her to get afraid or scared or upset. Yeah. And, and I think that happens a lot where we, we just don't want to let people down, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's our, our parents, our, our spouses, yeah, our business then, partners. And then you're like, it, the embarrassment is like a massive emotion. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't want to let them down, but I don't know. Like, I've experienced that in my life. It's like, dude, you, you feel like shit. I mean, it is bad. And, like, and maybe at different levels for different people, of course. But I always, I've always felt like that's one reason why people just hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it. Because they, they, they're just, it's just this embarrassment level that it's hard to describe. Yeah, it, it is. And, and, you know, it, it, it makes me think just recently. So, so you know, Tony Shea from Zappos. Did you, do you, have you guys heard, heard what happened with, with him? No. No, I saw so, that on LinkedIn. So, so he died um, just recently, and they, they said it was complications to a fire, but now, that, now everything's coming out. He was struggling with addiction, mental illness. He had this fascination with fire. He was uh, asphyxiating himself. He was, doing, he was trying to fix those feelings. And, and here's a guy who literally wrote the book on delivering happiness, and yet he couldn't find it for himself. Which, man, as I'm reading his story, I'm like, man, I, I can relate with him so much on feeling those, you know, that sense of inadequacy or I'm never going to measure up. And, and, it, and it goes back to, to, to my, my childhood. I mean, I, I remember as a six, seven, eight-year-old forgetting to say my prayers in the morning. And, and by that afternoon, the guilt was so heavy. <laughs> Why is that? It's, Why do you think? I'm just I, my experience because I was told my whole life that God was watching me and I needed to if I wanted to be back in heaven again that I needed to make sure that I, I prayed know. to God every single day. You better check those boxes. And I know this is a totally different route tangent, but I just I I just I hate I don't say hate hate's a strong word those type of stories because you look back and you're like okay well whose fault is that you can't necessarily I mean like our parents are doing the best they can. You know, and it's like other people around us are doing the best they can. It's just like, well, you really, really believe that, but they do, they never realized how much harm that was doing. It's systemic. It's it's no it, different it, than a culture of any company that you go into. It's it, it's just it's it's bred into the system. Yeah. Right. And 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 yet when you when you break it down, I mean, <laughs> I had a serious case of perfectionism. And, and, and if we're going to, if you want to talk about here in Utah and, and, and it's, you know, I, so I, I belong to a group uh, and every, every Saturday morning at 6am and it's people from different walks of life, different religions, different backgrounds, different races. We get on a, we, we get on a, on a call every, every Saturday morning at 6am mountain time and, and just have real conversations. It's not just a Utah thing or a Mormon sure, thing. Sure, it's. Sure. It's a society thing. I mean, I think in general, most people are raised to, that we're supposed to be okay. And if we're not okay, then we're strong enough when we have enough willpower to overcome it. Yeah. Because that's what we've, from a business standpoint, what have we always been told? You, you, can, you can overcome this. You just, you got to, you know, grind it out. If you, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, there's a just, book, uh, Angela, I want to say Angela, is it Duckworth? Grit? 
Have you ever heard? Yes. You know, yeah. we, we just got to persevere and we just, and, and I get that side of it, but I think that can become as much of a, an addiction as any drug that's out there is we have this addiction to, to be okay yeah. or to act like we're okay when we're not okay. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and as we have gotten older, you've, it's interesting because I felt the same type of feelings growing up. And it's the, the more that you, well, obviously with age, this just comes naturally, but the more you understand and the more you learn about, if you really want to learn about those things, the more you understand, it just, it does make sense. It becomes easier. And I think with business, sometimes it's like, you can work your ass off. You can work as hard as you, hard as you can. But if you're an idiot, it doesn't matter. And I say that, I mean, not really the idiot, but you just got to learn. You got to grow. You have to, you, you have to, you have to educate yourself and at least be willing to learn. And it's, I think it just goes along. You, you mentioned the business. That was just a thought of, it doesn't matter if it's just like when you're little and you're praying, but when you get older, you really have a better understanding of, of spirituality. Like if you, if, you know, if you stay that path, you know, just how it works. It's not like you just, you don't get as guilt. You don't get the same guilt. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, I still think though that our culture still really feeds off of that perfectionism, and that you know we're we're fine. Yes, and my right. hope is my hope is it's slow. It, I'm hoping we are slowly. There's more people that are becoming aware. Yes, and hopefully that just is growing faster than. The, uh, growing faster to, to expand to parents and people to have a better understanding and not making their kids feel like crap. And, and, and tr you know, talking to them differently, teaching them differently, you know. And again, I mean, I'm telling you right now, I mean, I'm, I'm a member of the LDS Church. I mean, I, I, love, I love everything that, you know, all my experiences and my family and how I'm set up now. But again, I, you know, a little, little different. I still think completely different than a lot of people when it comes to these things. But again, I don't want to get off on track on this, on, on the, on the least Utah type of culture. And, and, but, well, but, but I think it's important to talk about because, you know, I, I was on a, I was on a, a call with, with someone who works a lot with charter schools and she was so excited to tell me that, you know, all these charter schools, when they're getting tested for happiness and, and those type of things, how they're off the charts, like everybody is testing, like we're, we're, you know, this school is one of the happiest. And I'm like, that's really interesting because it happened to be in Utah County. Okay. Do you know where Utah sits when it comes to depression in the United States? We're number one in the entire country. Do you know where we are when it comes to suicide? We're up there, aren't we? We're, we're between number five and number eight, depending on which, you know, which data you look at and what year you look at. So, so if that doesn't point to we have to show up a certain way and say we're a certain way, but we're really not. And by the way, the depression, you know how they determine that? By number of prescription. I mean, it's hard data. It's what insurance companies are reporting, and they're saying Utah is number one. And, I mean, there's almost not a, a week that goes by where you don't hear of another executive that died by suicide here in Utah. I mean, there's so many entrepreneurs, and the pressure and the culture that we built here. I mean, every time I hear of a, of a Qualtrics selling for $9 billion and a Workfront selling for $1.5 I'm like, 
I can't even imagine the pressure on all those other tech entrepreneurs that are going, oh no, I, how am I going to do yeah, it? How do, I, how do I get here? Because that's the culture that we're in, right? Is yeah. we've got to, we have got to keep up with the Joneses because it, it is such a part of our identity that we're successful, that, you know, that we, we, we have good grades, that we have the cert, you know, that we all have a Tesla and we all, you know, and none of that stuff is wrong. That's great. But there's this sense, and I think it comes from a lack of understanding of who we really are, which is, by the way, what I struggled with. So, so, yes. so you know, I, not to let the cat out of the bag, but I'm going to. You know why the reason that I really went and started, why I needed to fix these feelings? Because I did not feel worthy of love. I did not feel like I was measuring up. And that the only reason people liked me, loved me, hung out with me is because I could bring awesome business. I could bring tons of money. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was charismatic. I could do this. Yes, I could, yes. So it was always a tit for tat. It was a negotiation. It wasn't a, well, the essence of James Hadlock is he's a nice guy. He's, he's a lovable, he's a lovable dude. It was, can he bring me something? So imagine the pressure every single time I went into a sales room because there was only one goal in mind, win at all cost. And, and if you wanna see what that can turn into without an addiction, look at the leadership of this country. Win at all cost. And, and that's a scary proposition when you, mm -hmm. and, and I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on, it doesn't matter. We're not good on either side, right? Yeah. And it's, it's this attitude and, and you know, I go back to it's, it really is, what does that say about me? If I don't have a good sense of self, then I have to get the big business deal. It's why I turned into such a great salesperson, because no was not an option. Okay, so another question. How many, okay, best friends. Like who, right now, who, uh, not right now. I'm just trying to think of, when you said this thing, I thought, okay, you, you, you just get an exchange, like you just are feeling like you're, people only, they, I don't know maybe how to, how do I describe this? Did people just love you and are best friends for you because you were just James? Or did you ever feel like, I don't have anybody that, they, they only like me because my money, I, I mean, I'm good I thought at the same thing about my parents, I thought the same thing about really? God. Because it yes. was the setup though, the setup was, well, what, what was I taught as a kid? At least in my filter, this is what I heard. Yeah. You have to do this, this, and this, and this. You have to go on a mission. You have to get married in the temple or God will not love you. And, and, and it wasn't said that way, but it was said, you're that's not going to get back it, to heaven. And so, that's how you, <clears throat> but that's how I interpreted that. Yep. Yes. That was the filter that I had is, oh, so my life is about doing. It's not about being. Yeah. Yes, and I think if, and if I think you do most this, you do us, this, you do this, you do this. Then you then the love comes. And and you said that check the box. I was, I mean, went on a mission, extended the mission as long as I could because that was another oh, boss. Yeah. If you were, oh yeah, if you could, you, you know, you were gonna. You didn't what? extend your. I mean, isn't that funny how <laughs> yeah. you can't just serve a mission? You got to extend it if extend you can. Oh, yeah. Then you have to be married within a year. Then then what's the next one? Got to have kids gotta within have a year. Kids. of That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was. It, 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 there was this agenda that was set up from way long ago that if you didn't follow it you were going to be a failure and you were going to hell and 
that went through my filter in an extreme way because what I haven't shared with you is there was sexual trauma when I was seven or eight years old. Okay. So there was a, there was a, um, a, a, a couple really close friends to my mom and dad. And when my mom and her best friend would go to church meetings, um, the husband would, would watch us and I, there's still some cloudiness there, and I'm not going to get into any of the details. You don't need to know any of that. It's irrelevant. I, I'm, I'm past it 100%. But he was having me do things to neighbor kids and, and basically being put on display. So this was the uh, – so couple that with, with a systemic yes. you know, sense of perfectionism and you can't, you can't fail and you got to be perfect and you got to be you know, this, that, and the other – and all of a sudden it sets you up to go at an extreme level, right? Yeah. The, when I remember closing the deal, we had Zion's Bank that was getting ready to close um, our building down because we were in bankruptcy and they're like, we're, we're shutting you down. And I was up working with T-Mobile to get a deal. And, and the first deal was going to be a $6 million deal, which was going to just change everything for us. And I remember when they signed the document, and I mean, it was intense. And when they signed the document, I remember walking out of that room and all of a sudden I had this huge flood of, of, oh no, wash over me. Really? And it was, oh shit, how am I going to, how am I going to beat that one? Because so instantly it was just, how am I, how am I getting I mean, the next one? That's crazy. Yes. I got it. It's but done. Do I won. I mean, yeah. So, so. I, yeah. <clears throat> But don't we all do that in a way? I mean, we, we hit a certain thing and we're like, man, if I could only make 10 grand, oh man, if I could only make 20 grand, man, if I could only own a business that does $9 billion, yes. that we, we just, we continue to set that bar and it's a moving target every single time. So I don't know all the reasons that Utah leads in, in, in all of these areas when it comes to mental health, but I'm finitus certainly has to be a part of it. Yeah. When did you hit that? When did it click for you when you're like, okay, there's something wrong. I checked myself in to rehab, right? When did you have that moment of clarity that's like, I can take control of my feelings, how I feel, what I'm doing, how I'm acting? Yeah, so I ended up in treatment twice, one for 30 days and then another time a couple of years later for 100 days. And then I was in and out of the psych ward at uni um, on three different occasions. And so that was all going on. And, uh, I remember I still I, working at this, I mean, still working, running businesses or is this kind of, in yeah. The background so, now? so I had I, the, the business that I had helped build, I basically disappeared after a couple of years. And, and then, you know, they kept begging me to come back because they were really hurting again. And so I went back and, and I had just, I, I was about six months out of the psych ward and I was doing really well. And then a headhunter calls me up and says, Hey, I've got, I've got one of the largest trade show companies in the world that wants to, to interview you and look at you. And all of a sudden, what did, what do you think that did to my ego? Like, oh yeah. Oh my, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm back. Yeah, you're back. I'm I mean, they, they, yeah, they yeah. wanted me to run this. How, how about this for ironic? They wanted me to run their Las Vegas division. <laughs> <laughs> so they had no idea of my back, my, my past. They just knew of did all anybody the at this point, or have you been trying to keep it a secret? Um, people around me, my business, you know, my business partners obviously did family members, friends, but, but outside of the professional world, yeah. nobody had yeah. a clue. 
And uh, so I, I, I go to meet with this group. I have 17 interviews. Jeez. And I'm sitting in front of the CEO. Th th these guys are doing a couple billion dollars a year. And the CEO looks at me and he goes, you're the best candidate I think we've ever seen in our entire history. I can't wait to get you into Vegas. So I'm walking on cloud nine and I'm, I'm going home. And then I get on the plane. I'm like, oh, they're totally going to find out about that DUI I had, or they're going to find out about this or there. So all of a sudden, all this, all that guilt and shame, because see, I hadn't, I hadn't resolved any of that. So I write this big, long letter to HR and I let them know. And they actually responded in a very, very healthy way. They said, hey, we all go through that. Is this still an issue? I said, no, it's not an issue. I've been doing great. We still want, we want you to go down and meet the team down in Vegas in, and, and, and then the, 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 the executive that was going to be overseeing me, he met me down there and then he, we had that talk, you know, the talk of, are you really okay? Are things, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, I don't think I convinced him because right before the holidays, in fact, it was about this time 13 years ago, um, I got the call from my headhunter and he said, I don't know what happened because I didn't tell him what I had done. He goes, I don't know what happened, but they decided to go a different direction. So what do you think that did? No, it just brought you, kicked you right I down, went man. off the rails. Yeah. I went off the rails <clears throat> and, and, and it took me about three weeks. But so, and this is where the mental health, it wasn't just about substance abuse. I mean, I was getting, I mean, I, I started hiding in closets cause I thought people were, were watching me. I mean, to me th that, that level of, of feeling that low and that dejected and rejected, um, I got paranoid. And, and I was drinking, and then one night I, I call up an old buddy that I hadn't talked to in a year and ended up meeting him to get some GHB. Um, and then the next thing I knew, I'm in Springville on my chest with like 30 cops with guns to my head, and I don't remember any of it. Okay. Any of it. Yeah, you want to get real now? <laughs> Let's go. Um, and uh, I don't remember any of it. And, and I'll tell you, I mean, fortunately, I've been able to work through all of that, and I, I didn't harm anyone. Um, I don't know how, because I literally have no recollection. And, and, and I, was in, I was in Murray, so I went from Murray to Springville when, when they finally stopped me. And I remember when I was in court hearing everything that I did, and I'm like, that doesn't even sound like me. Like, I mean, I, was, I guess I was flipping off cops, and I was like, I was like Thelma and Louise, you know? <laughs> Um, and they end up putting me in jail f for whatever reason, a friend bailed me out. Um, and, uh, but I, I saw the writing on the wall. I mean, I had a couple of DUIs. I'm like, I'm, I'm totally going to prison. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I, I played the whole, I'm fine. And you know, this was, this was a mental breakdown is and they didn't officially charge me at the time because they had to unpack everything that had gone on during right. that time. But because of my history of mental health, it was a complicated case. At least that's the way the, the prosecutor saw it. And, you know, my, my first thought was, is I'm totally going to beat this. But the more I thought about it and the more I got into it, I, I end up in a, in a hotel in Midvale and I'm completely 100% have a plan to take my life. Because I'm like... I am not going to disappoint anyone else ever again. And I can't stand, you know, the, the thought, I mean, how did I get here? 
and I'm sitting in this, in this hotel room for about a week and I'm running out of cash and I'm, I've got my plan and then of, of all things, the TV is on and Glenn Beck, who I never listened to ever, is interviewing Michael, Michael Buble. Do you know who that is, yeah. the, the singer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Glenn Beck is asking Michael, he's like, you know, a lot of people don't know about your, your history, and, and I'm just catching pieces here, and I'm completely out of my head. I'm, 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 as, I'm as desperate as I've ever been in my life. I'm ready to end my life. And Glenn Beck tells a little bit of the, of the story of Michael Buble. So did you know he was a wedding singer? Mm-hmm. So he was totally a wedding singer, and Glenn Beck's like, you know, you have all this success now, Michael, but... People don't know, you know, all the struggles you went through and that you were, you know, or you were on the road and, and your grandpa would take you to all these shows, you know, for you to, anyway, so he tells his story about, about getting that big break, which is, I believe he, he ended up being the wedding singer at, um, uh, you know, the prime minister, or the chancellor or somebody for their daughter, some, something, it was just one of those serendipitous things and that just launched his career. But he said, how did you never, why did you not give up after all those years of just kind of going from bar to bar and being a wedding singer? And he said two things. He goes, I just always felt like I was supposed to be a singer. I just felt like I had purpose. And the second thing, and this is what just clinched it for me, is when he said, my grandpa and my parents never gave up on me. And... And I made the call to my mom. I'm 38 years old, and I, and I call my mom up in Idaho, and they had no idea where I was at. They didn't know if I was dead or, or whatever. And I go, Mom, is there any way I can come home? She jumped in the car, and she came and grabbed me. And, and to be clear, my mom was never an, an enabler. In fact, one time, um, she, she testified against me in, in, on a probation violation. So... So yes. I want to be clear out there. Yes. It, it, this yeah. wasn't this wasn't just her always running to my rescue, right? <clears throat> um, and and funny enough, so so you know I get I get to my folks' home in in Rexburg um, on this in this little farm, uh, and for two weeks I'm still sneaking booze. So that's how strong. Even though I you know I feel like I've got to make this change, and and then I started to ask. And, and here was the moment of clarity, and I love how you asked that because w- what happened is over a period in, in that two weeks, I started to ask questions. The first question I asked is, how did I go from superstar, likable, fun, successful, you know, active in my church, all, how, how did I go from that to stealing from people, anyone I could, any drugs I could get my hands on? I mean... I did some despicable things that we, we could spend weeks talking about, which we're not going to do. And my first, my first aha moment was that was the same guy, and I was just using business and charisma to try to fix those same feelings. So I was just I was trying to use all of that to get an acceptance from you or an okay or a yes from you. And when that didn't work or when I when I hit at that point was a pinnacle for me of, gosh, I got all this money and and all these friends, everybody loves me, and I still wasn't happy, that's when that crisis came. And so 
what I, what I came to understand right then was my circumstances are not driving my experience of life at all. My second question, and this is where the real change happened, was so here I am, I have nothing. It's possible I might be going to prison. I've got nothing, and, 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 and for all this time, um, I, I came to understand that I was, trying to, I was trying to make up for something in my life, and I was trying to get people to like me for all the stuff I could do, and for whatever reason, I saw, I saw the love of my parents for the first time as genuinely love for me and not for what I could do for the very first time in my life. And it was because there was nothing to love at this point. Like, I mean, I was as broken and as downtrodden. And in that moment, I literally had this insight that who are they loving right now if I don't have any of this stuff? And, and, and the insight was, well, there's only one explanation just, to that. It's just yeah. you. This it was just me. It's just James. Me. It's not the business guy. It's not, yeah, none of that stuff. None of it. Not the great missionary, no. the, the, the successful this or whatever. And, and I'm going to tell you, and, and this, goes, this, this goes against a lot of what's taught out there about addiction. 13 years ago, I knew in that moment, it was like turning on a light switch, I knew I would never use again. Knew. Like, there was a deep knowingness inside of me that I knew. Mm-hmm. And you just don't hear that. What you hear is, yeah, I got to wake up every day, and it's a struggle every day, and it, it can always creep back. Guys, I'm telling you, it's not true. Yeah. It's, at least that's, that's my experience. And, and the science can actually even, even describe that, which we probably don't have time to get into. So I knew that, and then the second one, and I've got to give props to Michael Buble, and that is (laughs) I felt like I had purpose. Like I felt like everything I had gone through was now going to be something that was a gift to other people, which is why, I mean, it was literally, I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. I just knew that I was going to be a part of a new solution to mental health addiction, to people feeling shitty, to people feeling like they don't that like they don't matter, that there's no hope. And I'm telling you, man, I, you know, yesterday I was um, I was on a uh, a call with the local tech company Divi. Do you know Divi? Yeah. yeah. And it, it's called Divi Discussions, and and this is how I was showing up, and I was just I was telling part of my story, and. They said they, they, you know, they were having more comments than they've ever seen in any of this, this, the, their discussions. People are starving for realness, for authenticity, for openness, for a space to just be themselves. I mean, people are starving, and, and, and people are dying here in Utah because they don't feel like they, like, like they matter and like they're ever going to measure up to the expectation. And... We can all say we don't put an expectation on, but but if you really dig in, it's systemic here. There is there is an expectation that's just born in, in, in into into our society as a whole, but also here in Utah that that you know we have to we have to live up to a certain level. Amen, brother. <clears throat> that uh, that hits me hard because just you use the word starving. That makes 100% sense to me. People, they want, they are just dying for opportunities. 
just to talk to somebody that might that, that just that maybe is just going to listen, or they just want to you know make fun of something like prayer, you know, and not get like looked on weird and and um, man, I just that was uh, that was interesting when you said that people are just starving for this for this for this discussion and these these opportunities and someone like you like yeah i mean it's just well it's so funny so I, i've got to show you so i y y you a lot of people think i got these tattoos while i was struggling with addiction i actually yeah. got them two years ago and and this tattoo right here that's the tree of life and this is the symbol of vulnerability and and so it's it's my life rooted in vulnerability like you know, you didn't see this this kind of expression from me growing up. There was nothing authentic about, even though I thought I was, I was really just trying to win you over. So if if it was that, it wasn't genuine. It was it was it was all a role that I played to try to get to whatever whatever it was that could fill that 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 emptiness that I had inside of me. And today, man, I'll tell you what. That vulnerability, I just, so I don't even think about it. Just, it comes out when it wants to come out. I don't, I don't edit it. I just, I let it just find its way. But the kind of responses that I get from people, pe people want that. And, and, you know, I want to go back to something you said earlier about, you know, how do we, how do we help our kids? How do we help, how do we help the people around us? And, and you already said the answer. It's, it's we ourselves, we have to take a step back and listen not just for an hour and, and not to make and not to just put it in the calendar either, but to make ourselves available and give ourselves to the people in our life. And and what starts to happen is all of a sudden they will start to trust you and, they, and then they know they can come to you and go, Dad, you know that the pray the praying thing is just really weird for me and it just doesn't it feels that's a real conversation that I promise you there are kids out there that are thinking, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Most. And, and, but here's what's so great about giving yourself an opportunity to really have these kind of conversations. When you start to connect, it just, there's going to be just this natural flow where they come to you. I mean, I, I, have, I have nine kids through you know, almost three decades of have kids, <laughs> all in different levels of their life and and i i go i go to the two daughters that i had before i met alicia and then we 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 brought together the five that we we brought to the party and then the four that we've had together but my two daughters they saw me overdose on christmas morning and carted off to the hospital they saw me get in violent screaming matches with their mom because i was out of my head so there was some there was more than just a cultural thing. There was some true repair and some healing that got to happen. And, and I think oftentimes people think that, well, I'm all better now. I'm going to go save the world. It, it's one of the worst things you can do because people aren't ready for it until they are. And when they're ready for it, then they're going to come to you if they trust you and if they know that you're not going to judge them. I mean, here's the thing. Judgment is a connection killer. And we do it all the time. We do it all the time. We don't mean to most of the time, 
But if you think about all the things that we do, we, we judge you by what car you have, what neighborhood you're in, what all those things. And, and, and what it does is it creates these layers and these walls between us where I can't just immerse myself in, a, in an experience with you. And, and with our nine kids, we've, to my, to my recollection, we haven't had to instigate any conversations around sex, around, around drugs, around alcohol. You know why? Because they come to us. We have a daughter who shared with us that she is bisexual. It wasn't us going to her. She came to us. And How amazing is that? And, and, and it was, it was, there was no energy other than the energy that we have in our house, which is most of the time, we're not perfect, I want to be clear here, but it was of respect, of understanding, of thank you so much for sharing what you're feeling and expressing because that's you. And who am I to say any different? How do you, how do you bring that out of people? Well, it, it starts with listening. Right, I mean, when we're talking about yep. your yeah, judgment of houses and cars and, <clears throat> like, how are you bringing that out of people to say, hey, you know what, where you're at dude, is fine. Well, the, I think, dude, the problem here is, one of the problems, you're going to have parents that have no freaking clue. There's no way in hell their kid will ever come to them and say, I'm bisexual, ever, ever. And it's weird because it's not like the parents hate their kids. It's not like... It, it, there's just, there's a total, there's a, it's just a total disconnect with how they have, again, I hate to say this, but either raised their kids or taught their kids. I mean, they're teaching them like, we love you. I mean, I love my kid. I mean, maybe even unconditionally they teach them that, but then there's no way in hell their kid's going to tell them that. But because of something, what is that? Is it just, is that just, I, I mean, again, I mean, who in the hell knows? I mean, who knows really what that is, but there's just, that's the problem. And then that, that child is never going to be able to tell their parents because they're going to think their parents are going to hate them or they're going to disown them or they're not going to trust me anymore or I'm letting them down. And then it, dude, that's just, that's, that's the start of just, you know, crappy things. But I, it's just, anyway, I don't, I sorry to hijack that little. No. And then let me ask, about. let me ask in it in a different way. I mean, so you've had this, I mean, you have this incredible story and thank you, by the way for being vulnerable and sharing. You have this incredible story. You've taken all these experiences, rolled them up. You have Blue Novus now. What is Blue Novus doing, right, for your divvies and these employers? Like, how are you helping these employees, to the question I just asked, to say, I do have a wall. I have these judgments. I see my neighbors and their cars and what they're doing, and I want it, and I want this and that. Like, what is Blue Novus? What are you doing to hopefully bring those walls down, those barriers down? Yeah, there, there's, a, there's, there's a couple of things. Um, I think what's relevant is, is to educate, first of all, and to help organizations understand that just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And, and again, the numbers are, do you know that eight out of 10 people that struggle with mental illness worldwide will never reach out and get help? I believe that. So that's not, a, that's not Utah. Yeah. Utah, I think, is probably nine and a half out of ten, honestly. Yeah. Um, so so it, it starts with some education. Then, then it moves into normalizing the conversation. So when you start to get leaders, so Purple Mattress is one of our clients, and they have taken this initiative and they've run with it as well as anyone that we've ever worked with. 
I mean, their managers are creating the kind of relationships with their employees that most of the people that reach into our call center, so we have an outlet where people can just call and, and, and just talk. So basically what we, we created that, we created that, that outlet for trust where you can talk to somebody who's well-trained and you can, it's not just about getting a therapist, it's, you know what, I just got in a fight with one of my kids and I feel awful about it and I feel guilty, I just need someone to talk to. So we're that outlet for people. But Purple, most of the people that use the service is because that employee went to a manager because they trusted them because some of the training that we do with them and that manager said what? You know what? You ought to call the call center. You ought, to, you, you ought to reach into the care center with Blue Novus. And so we see, we see it, it, it in a couple of different ways. Awareness, education, and then culture. So to us, mental health in the workplace has always been addressed downstream. It's been addressed when it hits crisis. Yeah, it's when, always been a taboo, yeah, right? It's like you just don't. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always been like, hey, you know what? James is, hasn't shown up to work in a week. We don't know where he's at. Um, we, we better, we, you know, we probably ought to do something like that. What we help companies do is flip that and say, it's already there. In fact, one out of four people are struggling with their mental health right now today. It was one out of five. COVID has helped accelerate that. So one-fourth of your staff right now is struggling with their mental health in, in various ways. So what if you could create the kind of environment, and we call it psychological safety if we want to get really official here, but what if you could create psychological safety in the, in the workplace through listening, through, through building rapport, through, through normalizing the conversation and, and looking at mental health the same way you would look at, you know, I busted my wrist bike riding last week or I busted a rib. You know, it's so funny. If I, if I, if I was on my bike and, 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 and on, a, on a trip and I busted up my ribs, when I'm calling up all my friends or even the people I'm, I'm working with, you may not even be able to see it, but what am I probably talking about? Man, last week, right, it's almost a badge of honor. <laughs> but if I just got let out of uni... Um, for psychiatric, you know, because I had a meltdown and a psychotic break. Not even close. So let me tell you the vision of Blue Novus, which is so far out there, but I see a day when people can talk about their mental health the same way they talk about a broken bone. When we do that, and I believe it's possible, and I, I don't think it's that far out if people will just embrace the idea of, of, it's no different than any other ailment. Hey, I, you know, I, I'm calling in sick because I've got the flu. So to me, it's about creating psychological safety, and you do that through building rapport. And what's interesting is, you know, if you look at the data around employee engagement, it's actually gone backwards over the last 20 years. Even though we've had all the data in the world, really? it's gone backwards. Yeah. And I have a theory I believe it's because we're not addressing it on a mental health level. So, you know, I was a, I was a huge fan of Stephen Covey and First Things First and Seven Habits. And, but here was the problem with all of that. None of that took into account if, if I'm having anxiety. And by the yeah. way, it's out the door if you are. Because it doesn't work. How can I, fun if, if, if I'm, if, if, if I'm, 
overwhelmed with anxiety. And then what's wrong with me? How come seven habits of highly effective people don't work? How so come that's that the other work? problem is because it, so everything is built on performance. And, 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 and again, we've got it backwards. We, if, here, here is a very logical question. If I feel happy and if I feel settled and if I feel secure within myself, what are the odds that I'm going to be a better performer at work? They're very high. So why in, can I get real for just one second? Absolutely. Why in the hell do leaders not think about that when, and, and, and why aren't they investing as much in mental health as they are everything else that they're doing in their company? Like, come on. It, it, to me, it's crystal clear, but we've got to help these leaders really have that same aha moment that I had 13 years ago. Right. Right? Man, dude. So out, uh, outside of a call center, <laughs> what are you doing? We do trainings. So we have, we have an online wellness library. So we have a library we like to call it the Netflix of emotional well-being. So if you're an employee at Purple and you're, you're experiencing anxiety, you don't even have to call the call center. You can actually tap into the, into the Netflix of well-being and you can watch from one of the top experts in, in anxiety in the country and she breaks down and, and shares with you some of the things you can do. We have mindfulness. So if I, if I were to encapsulate it, you know, what we are and what we are becoming at, at Blue Novus is a combination of apps like Headspace and Calm, but also yeah. Tony Robbins and Stephen Covey, and then, and then your traditional EAP. We're really yeah. all three of those in, in, in one little package because if you don't address it on a cultural level, we're, we're always going to just be reacting. What is your, your measure of success? Yeah, we have we have quite right. A, so, I mean, what does purple look at? What are you looking at? You've been yeah. in there for yeah, quanti- a year. The, yeah, yeah, how do you results. quantify that to say, okay, Blue Note, you guys are amazing. You're doing great because of this. Yeah, so 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 there are some we're, we're tracking now, and there's more that we'll be tracking as we get more data. I mean, a, a really easy one. If if you were to compare us to any EAP in the country, a typical EAP gets about a three percent engagement, which means if you have a hundred employees. Three of them will reach into that call center. Yeah, EAPs or are always an afterthought. Or, it's yeah. always... Right. And I think people use it when they get to like the tell end. It's like, I am at my break. Yeah. What so, are my options? Oh, I remember... Yeah, the proactive engagement. I remember an open yeah. So our proactive engagement is, is we're 30 to 60% engagement with our clients. We have one client that's a little bit of an outlier that's over 80% engagement. So those are some of the front, yes. front end analytics, Right. But as we go further into this, we, we ask companies to start tracking absenteeism. We ask them to start tracking performance in general once their managers are trained. Because yeah. here's the thing. This is a, you've got you've to start looking at this. I mean, you can look at emergency room visits. You can look at prescriptions. But here's the thing. You, you've got to add that training component. If you don't add the training component, then even though we're, we're getting more engagement, it's still... I would argue it's still a little bit downstream, right? But when you start to train and you start to help people understand how to create the kind of environment where people can have more open conversations like this, could you imagine having this kind of a conversation within a, with actually within an organization? So that's what I did with Divi yesterday. And, and I get a text immediately after and the executive to the CEO said, you, you know, t- two people, already came in and asked for support because of just what you shared. So 
don't underestimate the power of vulnerable conversations. So if, if you're listening to this out there and you're like, we don't have a budget to you know, hire Blue Novus and we don't have the time or whatever, the case, whatever story you've got in your head about it, I know one thing you can do. You can start to have vulnerable, open conversations around mental health. That alone is going to start to change the narrative. Yeah. Well, I remember we had uh, Johnny Hanna in here. And he told us his story of just one day. He was like, I'm sick of having to pretend to be somebody else. And he said he went into a, yeah. one of their weekly meetings and he just completely was 100% vulnerable, vulnerable, opened up, broke down. And at that point, like his employees like applauded him and like, thank you for doing this. Like I needed this. And I think from that point on, I think it's just opened up. People are starving for permission <clears throat> to open up and be themselves. Just, I mean, it's that deep... <sighs> That exhalation, right? Isn't that interesting too? Again, you, I love the way you choose words. Starving, it, they don't need permission, but they think they need permission. They don't, and which it sucks. It sucks. But our culture has kind of set it up that way yes, in a lot of ways, saying. right? It's like, dude, you don't need permission. No one, you don't need to be told, hey, it's okay now. Which is why it takes the Johnny Hannas and the James Hadlocks and 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 guys like you to start to bring this out because. Hopefully somebody hears this and then all of a sudden they're like, you know what? I've had enough too. I'm going to step up and I'm going to, I'm going to start to be that voice because I'm telling you, there isn't this undercurrent of a, of some tremendous momentum and, mm -hmm. and people wanting like, you know, millennials are more, more uh, likely to get help, uh, versus, you know, the older generations. Um, and that's part of the culture as well, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Like they've kind of had it and they're asking why about everything. Thank goodness. Cause look at where we're at. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting what's going on right now that we still have a ways to go. But the good news is, is that, that it's getting enough attention that at least it's on people's agenda to, to explore. Right. Yeah. And, and if I were to bring it home to, you know, to a more intimate level as a parent. Um, it's going to sound cliche, but, but allow yourself to just be present. My wife says this all the time. She's like, be where your feet are. Don't be thinking about the meeting tomorrow. Don't be thinking about what happened at work today. Like, even if you don't have that much time, if you're, if you've got all kinds of stuff going on in those snippets that you do have with your kids, like when you give them a hug, give them a hug, like embrace and just bring it all in, like be in it with them because it's going to feel different than the old pat on the back hug or the old bro hug that, you know, that we mm -hmm. used to do, right? Yeah. Like be in it, immerse in that moment. And even if those moments are just so, it's going to be felt, it's going to land differently. And that is how you start to build that rapport is just... It, I think we, we also try to look at gurus and go, well, I need to do it like Stephen Covey did. No, you don't. That's, that worked for Stephen Covey. That did not work for James Hadlock. Yeah. And what worked for James Hadlock will not work for you. But what will work for you, though, is you being willing to allow for that, that deeper wisdom that's inside you to emerge in the moment. When, when I work with parents um, who've got kids that might be struggling and they, they ask, so what's the, you know, what's the, what's the secret? Well, here it is. If you're ready for it, be present, listen, let go of expectation. Your kids totally know you have an expectation on them and you are bullshitting yourself if you think you don't. Yeah. If they're not talking to you, it's because 
they feel an expectation from you, whether it's inferred or, or taught or whatever. So we've got to get past that. And the way you do that is literally you've got, you've got to let go so you can have those conversations where a daughter will share something that could be judged in, in, a, in a pretty heavy way with most families, especially here in Utah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, brother, I have, we're I mean, over time, gosh, dude. I have. I don't yeah. know if we got time for that. I don't know if it's even appropriate. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> we finish. We always finish podcasts with some lighter. Yeah. Would you rather questions? Bring it. Oh, okay, I, okay, I, okay, I, okay. Well, I just man, I, just I, don't want, I know you got the Comcast thing. I, I, but you know what? We, okay. We've got a few more minutes. Okay, we're okay, gonna be okay. fine. Let's do it. Let's okay. do it. I'm gonna say. I mean, thank you so much. Absolutely. Like I, I mean, we could no, spend. This is, another three hours mm-hmm. there's a lot of oh, questions just, just that digest i digest what you're saying you don't <laughs> i got so many other questions yeah. i can't ask them because we would just keep going but uh, can after, we do a part after two a podcast we'll we do can it. totally do a part two i'd love it okay we're gonna you guys are great two. i i love this the format <laughs> i love because i was going to say something that would definitely be taken as like totally sacrilegious <laughs> and and maybe this sets us up for the next week you know it's funny you as you're pulling this question up i thought okay god could be God could be classified as this guru, our Father in heaven, whatever you want to call him, Christ, whoever, whoever you follow. Could, you know, you mentioned this gurus, like people look at gurus, I got, I got to do it exactly like that. You know, I got to do it exactly like they're telling me to. And then you said, no, you don't. Like it worked for him, that worked for him, that worked for him. And I think that just going back to one of our main questions in the beginning was, how interesting is, would a conversation be or a parent teaching like, you know, keeping the same, you know, principles and, and, and the same, same end goal in mind with, with whatever structure they're in, you know, whatever, maybe church, right? But tell them, like, dude, it, there's not one way to get there. You think that there's one way. There's, there's like, there's seven steps you got to do. Like, we talked about this, you know, and you put, you put this, you know, even, you know, deity in this, okay, he's a guru. He's an, you know, this is an amazing, you know, figure and a guru, but no, it's, it's not seven exact steps to get to exactly where he wants you to go or where you want to go. And I thought, you know, putting it, I know that's a little light, but, you know, for some people they don't like maybe hearing that that would be a way to classify, you know, who, what, you know, God or whatever, but he's just another guru. And I say that, you know, again, not, not in an <laughs> offending way, but it's just there isn't every kid can get there in their own way, and hopefully you're aware enough to, to understand and help them get there. Anyway, and we got a little more deeper. Yeah, I, I will just say this. If you're putting the word but behind any declaration, I love you, but you've got an expectation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if, if we want to use Christ and, and, I mean, what was the one message? It was one message. Love one another. There was no but. There was no if you're gay. Yes. Or so. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. If there's a but, it's an expectation, and it will never, ever, ever work, ever, ever, ever. End of story. Amen. Sorry to bring us back. Okay, no, let's go. Fine. Let's get into the. Okay. Yeah, bring it. Uh, we have one that we ask every time. Yes. Um, okay. <clears throat> Would you rather? Uh, have Barry Bonds, home run king, take his bat and swing it as hard as he could right to the middle of your back. Or Tiger Woods takes his golf club and swings right at your shin, 
driver to the shin or Barry Bonds to the back. Oh, that's a now, good, the good thing one. about the, the fun fun part of this game is you have to pick one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got the one rule one. is you got to pick you one. You have to pick one. So I'm a Dodger fan, like through and through. So and, and because Barry Bonds was with the Giants, yes. I cannot give him the satisfaction of putting a Dodger fan. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with Tiger Woods as Tiger much Woods. as probably the smart choice. Right, right. We're but talking shins versus backs. Oh, and that I can I can feel that too on my yeah. shin. That's yeah. that's a great worst one. case scenario. You die from Barry Bonds. Worst case, you know, you get a new leg. Yeah. Right. Oh. Uh, what's your? Can you? Pick just a favorite food. Not your salad. Pick something else. Pizza with the kids, man. Pizza. Okay. What's you. your What's your least favorite? Least you have favorite. One thing food? that you don't like, like olives or something. At this point, it might be meat. <laughs> it could yeah. be meat. It could be meat, but. Um, like for me, it's cucumbers. I can't. I can't yeah, eat a cucumber. I mean, I'm trying to think of a veggie or a fruit that I don't like, and man, I like it all. Well, this so gonna we're going to have to, we'll, we'll well, go with animal protein. <laughs> all right, would you rather be uh, allergic to your favorite food, okay, to pizza, or be forced to eat your least favorite food once a week? Oh, I'd so rather be least. forced to eat my least favorite because I don't, I, it's not that hard. Yeah, right? that's, so you don't really have a least favorite, so it's not, <laughs> that one doesn't yeah, I just, okay. yeah. All right, would you rather have no thumbs or uh, no fingers? Uh, Shoot. No, no fingers? I think, ooh, that's a tough one. We're all looking I, at our thumbs. I know, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking. Because that's the only way to know. It's like, okay, well, hold on. I, I mean, I could just, I can't grab this can. Yeah, I could yeah. two hand it. I could have yeah, two you can two hand it. I think with you're thumbs, have to two I still hand can't grab it. But I could, with just I could still type with. Yes. I could type. So I'm going to go with no thumbs. You might be able to do like no thumbs. Okay. No thumbs. You just figure it out. I think okay. there's less <clears throat> things. That's a good that one. are a yeah. struggle. Would you rather always have extremely bad gas or always have a really dry mouth? That just no. It doesn't matter how much you drink. It's just. Ooh, yeah, the mouth. Dry mouth. No dry mouth. No dry mouth. Just, just farting all the time. Yeah, just, <laughs> just pet, yeah. Uh, would you rather have... People, can they smell it? I mean, is it really... Is it yeah, just it's, you have it's, gas all the time? It's potent, yeah. I think it's going to smell, too. Okay, crap. Oh, yeah. right. It's those hardcore protein farts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Keto farts. Yeah, right. a real thing. It is a real thing. Would you rather have a big booger hanging from your nose for the rest of your life or a giant pimple on your forehead for the rest of your life? Like, where is it on the forehead? Right in the middle? Right in the middle? Right there. She, like, big pimple. I'd, say the, big I'd say the pimple. Yeah. Pimple. Okay. Pimple. Okay. The, pimp, that's, the pimple's that's less, probably that's more... That's less intrusive. That's kind of right. a less, like, booger in the nose, dude. Some That's worse than a pimple most of the time. People are just so... They're so uncomfortable with that. Yeah. What do they say? Yeah. Is it white? And people are going to be like, like they're not going to tell you, uh, to, to, they're not going to tell you to to, to to fix the pimple, but they're going to be going, dude, you got yeah, a big old cliffhanger yeah. like, going. Sorry, dude, can't even. <laughs> it might be like, do you ever see uh, Awesome Powers? The guy that has the mole. Mole, mole, mole. He's like a mole, mole, mole. Yeah, it might be like that. Uh, okay, would you rather poop in the only toilet at a party, knowing that you're going to clog it, or poop in the bushes in the backyard? Ooh. 
pooping outdoors, dude. You're from Rexburg. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> let's I go. Say, I, I, I just, yeah, I poop outside. Yeah, outside. dude. Yeah. Okay. You poop outside all the time. I poop outside all the time if it wasn't frowned upon with neighbors. <laughs> if I had like a little secluded place, I'd go poop outside all the time. I used to when I'd move pipe back in the yeah, potato dude. fields. Moving pipe, dude. Back it's like day. your dog, dude. Your dog just like. <laughs> hunched over just yeah, not dude, wanting to make eye contact with you like staring at me with dude, that guilty look poo- on their face dude, bonding with your dog how amazing would that be pooing with your dog outside uh, uh, would you have rather have to wear a stranger's dirty underwear or use their toothbrush I'd probably go with the uh, underwear man the toothbrush I just don't know where that thing is again yeah, underwear is a good one That's, I'd, I'd probably I'd, pick underwear I'd, 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 can I turn them inside out Sure. You can do whatever you want. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're just dirty. Yeah. Put them on. It's skin to, skin to material. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> yeah. He could have gone to the gym that day. Ooh, hot sauna, know. hot yeah. yoga. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, would you rather go through your whole life with one nostril or one ear? Uh, one nostril. I want both my ears. One nostril. Okay. Very well said. Uh, would you rather have to sniff a dog's butt, every, a new dog, every time you meet? Okay. You just get down. Just do what they do. Sniff every time butt. you meet a dog? Yep. <laughs> or okay. you have to eat a bowl of dog food for one meal a day for the rest of your life. No, no way. I'd I smell their butt. I can do every that. dog you see. It's just you get down. Yeah, I guess I can't. <laughs> yeah, know. dude. Why not? Yeah, I'm not course, gonna. Dude. I'm not gonna. Eat, I'm not gonna eat the dog food. No way. No way. They have that nice in a can. It's like no uh, way. Ooh, real that, meat, ooh, that wet. No. Ooh. <laughs> actually, I think sniffing dogs' butts actually might turn into a kind of an interesting thing. <laughs> you might parlay that into like a money maker somehow, or. A I don't know. Maybe like he famous dog butt sniffer. Uh. Yeah, you'd be like the. But then like like the, the who's the dog whisperer? You'd be like yes, the opposite dude. of that the dog guy. sniffer. Yeah. TikTok, you go viral on TikTok. TikTok sniffing dude, sniffing dogs butts. Rate him. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Um, like like a wine sniffer, a sniffer, yes, or whatever. You start, you're you'd you're be, the you. sommelier of butt, <laughs> dog butts, dude. Demog, demog, I am. I'm a freaking yeah. Molly that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Whatever that is. Uh, <laughs> would you rather? Oh, sorry. Would you rather have to wear wet socks every day, or have a popcorn kernel stuck in your tooth? Ooh, that's a good one. Hold on. Wear wet socks. No, I, 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 you know what? If I walk in and I get even a drop of water on my sock, I have to change my you socks. Take it off. Yeah, both what, of them. Uh, which tooth? <laughs> Does it matter? <laughs> the one right up here. Okay, so well, you're not going to see it, but maybe it's just it's always. I'd probably, like do, I'd probably, I'd probably, because, you know, there's been where you get something in there and it takes a day to get it yeah. out and you try everything. I know, and then you're, yeah, yeah. I couldn't do the wet socks. All the time. I though. couldn't do the wet socks, yeah. You're going to be in your meetings. The funny thing is, is you would eventually get used to that. You would. You hope. You'd be like, oh, yeah. You'd probably get used thing. to the wet socks, too. Yeah, but see, that would, I think then you would have foot problems and then, like, people <laughs> wouldn't want to be around you because you take your socks off Dude, places. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would you rather drink two liters of urine or two liters of sweat? Ooh, I'd go with the yeah. urine. The urine is way more urine. sanitary than sweat. Your oh, sweat? Your own sweat? Uh, no. I'm going to say somebody else's oh. for both. Somebody, okay, hold on. Somebody else's urine or someone else's. Does that change it? So, okay, pick the guy at the gym that's all the stinkiest. I can, all I can think about is jackass when the guy put the sweatsuit oh on. Oh, my gosh, that made me gag. I, I, I was gagging. I, yeah, so that makes I, me gag. I, I'd have to do the urine, too. That makes me gag point. every time. Oh, but I see that, shoot. and I just, but you're laughing okay, you and gagging. You know what gagging. that brings me to is uh, the human waterfall. You know, we, we had a would you rather. Basically, you had to pick two, two people that you, you know, if we knew you better, we would say, 
your two friends of yours or something, right, that are both maybe a little, little dirty, you would say, oh, human waterfall is when you take a cup of water, you pour it over their head, but then you catch it in oh, the crotch. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's the human waterfall. So you would say, like, are you going to drink Danny's human waterfall or Brent's human waterfall? Oh, boy. I'm just saying, I don't know what, you talked about the sweat of somebody, I'm just saying. Yeah. But it's only one cup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you rather eat chocolate-flavored poop or poop-flavored chocolate? Poop-flavored chocolate. I could, I could get poop, past that. Yeah. I you, get you, can't, that. you can't just get past the fact that it is poop. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it smells or tastes <laughs> like. Yeah, dude, I couldn't do it. <laughs> tastes like chocolate. <laughs> it does taste like chocolate, dude. <laughs> I, get, I mean, maybe you could get yourself into that, you know, think, into that zen mode. I think you mode. have to qualify the question with what animal, is it from you? Is it yours or is it like no. like a cow or no, a dog? I mean, because you know you might say like someone might might. I eat guess dog. Like I wouldn't. Say if it was dog though, the hair would give it away, and I would all of a sudden go, "Oh, that's not chocolate." That's, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it's going to taste like it though, right? You're not going to get sick from it. It's just going to be flavored, just Ooh, like chocolate. Like but instead, even, you have to think of like that dog that just took a duke on your know, front that's lawn. Good, that's actually but it's a the, much better but it's question fear, now that I think about it. It's the fear that like, you could get sick from. Uh, just yeah, the more I, I think, think about I it, it's a pretty that. good one. That is a good. Okay. That's tough. To, that's tough. Okay. Would you rather wake up in the morning to find that everyone you work with? How many employees do you guys have? Twenty-three. Twenty-three. All twenty-three employees are naked. Or you wake up in front of your whole work family and you're naked. Me naked for sure. You, you wouldn't want to see 23 people. Not, no. not that in your brain. No. They don't. Yeah. And it, yeah. No. That's okay. A, Last one. That was a quick easy. That was an easy that one. A quick easy one. Okay. Would you rather find out from your you're you're viewing it, you find out that your significant other or your parents were in an adult video. You want either one. Your parents were an adult video, or your or your or your, your significant other. Gosh. So you're you're viewing the video, and it's like, shit. That's mom and dad, or that's my wife. Mom and dad. Uh, totally mom, mom and, dad. and dad. Yeah, no. Because <laughs> 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 then it'd be like, okay, okay. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Yeah, but you're never erased. I mean, I see both sides. But this I'm is just before like, you're married. You don't. Is this before? This is before yeah, you're married. Yeah, before you're married. But you just you're not getting that out of your head. You're going to see mom and dad at Christmas parties, and you're like, I know what you did. Yeah, depending on who you are, though, you might, you might like, good job, dad. Like, <laughs> that, was, uh, <laughs> that was sweet, dude. Maybe. <ughughs> awesome. Okay, that's it. Thanks, man. Thanks, right man. On. Appreciate Thanks. you being here. Appreciate it. That was, that was amazing. Thanks, and guys. cut.